Well, we're in Revelation this morning, and as I was praying about this sermon and what could relate to the end of the semester for both student and professor alike, it came to me, aha, the end of the world. (laughs) Seven-headed beasts that resemble turn papers, either to be completed or graded. So hopefully the box can be checked that I have appropriately contextualized this sermon. I also realized that we have missed a figure in our covenant group and TNT studies of exemplars of spirituality. He's an ancient African mystic sage. He's not referred to much, okay, not at all in church tradition, but he is one who has touched the lives of millions. He's been featured on film, films that have won Oscars and been nominated for more. He is Rafiki, the colorful, philosophical, and kung fu master baboon of the Lion King. And in the first and the best Lion King, Rafiki has to remind Simba to remember. Simba has fled from his tribe, and for good reason. He thinks he is responsible for his father's death, His uncle told him to run away, and three crazy hyenas told him they'd kill him if he returned. But Rafiki sees beyond Simba's immediate circumstances, tough as they may be. Rafiki sees the bigger picture of who Simba really is and what Simba's really meant to do. He just has to remind him. Simba has to remember what his father has been telling him his whole life. So what does he do? Well, he takes him down to the watering hole, and he tells him, Simba, look down there. And Simba looks over, and of course, all he sees is his reflection, what he's gone through, what he's going through, all of the anxieties and uncertainties of his life, then look right back at him in the water, and he says to Rafiki, dejectedly, that's not my father, it's just my reflection. And what does Rafiki say? Look harder. And so looking again, of course, he sees his father, he remembers, and his father keeps saying over and over again, remember, remember, remember who you are. So our text this morning is somewhat like Rafiki. It's a reminder to remember. Dr. Samuel Johnson, famous for his major contributions to English literature, remarked once that people more frequently require to be reminded than informed. And it's because I think there's a power in remembering. It taps into something deep in us that we've always known, that we always do know, even when we're not conscious of it. To remember is to pluck a harp string in us that reverberates throughout our entire being, waking us from our slumber. And so in the same way that Rafiki brings Simba to the watering hole and tells him to look down there, so to our text, or more specifically, the risen Jesus tells us to peer down into the water and tell me what you see. Well, Lord, we begin. I see an overwhelming amount of things that I'm having to deal with. 
I see a never-ending busyness, a continuous to-do list, meetings that must be attended, meetings that must be conducted, a job performance that must be maintained, papers that must be written, research that must be done, tests that must be taken, papers that must be graded, deadlines that must be met, children that must be attended to, house projects that are not going to do themselves, church responsibilities that must be fulfilled. What do I see? I see a lot of toil. I see an uncertain future. I see all my character faults. I see prayers for things to change and those things not change. I see family relationships strained. I see unhappiness in my life. I see a hope that maybe tomorrow will be better, and yet I'm still waiting for that tomorrow to come. I see a lot of patient endurance. And on a broader scale, I see someone whose Christianity our culture seems to less and less care about. I see someone who's just trying to get it right as far as being a disciple. I see someone who's constantly having to play damage control to the way media and culture throw your name and your message about I see someone trying to bear up for your name's sake. Someone trying to stand against evil and affirm what is good. And Jesus says, I know. And this is not an I know like, you know, yeah, I've heard you've been doing that. Or, uh, yeah, it's been brought to my attention what you've been doing. No. This is the risen Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us who in that tension of divine and human both holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. He holds all churches in his hand, yet he dwells in their midst as well. I know is prophetic language. Verse 1, the words of him who holds the seven stars is tada lege, literally, thus says. This is prophetic. Jesus knows. He's not kidding. In fact, he could not be more serious when he looks us in the eye in the midst of our toil and endurance and bearing up and patience, and he says, I know. So we need not wonder then if Jesus really gets it. Jesus got what the Ephesians were having to go through. Oppression, persecution, imperial worship, a shrine and altar to Caesar Augustus. Provincial temples built under Nero, Hadrian, and Severus. Artemis's temple, which was four times the size of the Pantheon. It was no small things what the Ephesians were having to endure, and it's no small thing what we're having to endure. And take comfort in the fact that Jesus really gets it. But Jesus is not just a divine guidance counselor. He doesn't just nod his head and say, yeah, I understand. That must be tough. No, he's Jesus. And he has a word for us. And what is it? But I have this against you. That you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Remember, Jesus knows that when times get hard for us, our vision narrows. 
The first thing to disappear out of our vision when it starts getting hard on us is what anyone else in this world is thinking or doing. In the midst of endurance and toil and persecution, our love usually goes to the wayside. So Jesus says, look back down there and tell me what you see. And we say, I just told you, Jesus, it's me. It's me having to go through a lot of stuff. But Jesus says, no, no, look harder. And all of a sudden, another picture appears. Multiple pictures. Pictures that tell a story. The Israelites standing together, summoned by Moses, as he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And Jesus says, Remember Joshua charging the Israelites again, love the Lord. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. And Jesus says, remember. The psalmist pinning the words, love the Lord, all you his saints. And Jesus is saying, remember. Jesus is telling the Pharisees, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And Jesus says, remember the disciples gathered. As Jesus tells them, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And Jesus says, remember the church at Corinth listening to the words of Paul read aloud. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. And Jesus says, remember the church at Ephesus hearing the charge by Paul and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And Jesus says, remember congregations across Asia Minor hearing the Johannine refrain, for this is the message that we have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And Jesus says, remember, and then our picture again. Jesus tells us, you stand in a long line, a grand tradition of people whose chief end has always been, even when it hasn't been lived out great, love. Remember who you are. It is so easy to forget in the midst of all of our struggles to simply love one another. And it's easy to forget in the study of the intricacies of Scripture and the writings of those who've gone before us that the great commandment is to love God and love others. But may that change today. May papers, research, busyness, meetings, schedules, tasks, finances, bitterness, all the things that we must endure, may that not hinder us from loving. And may we repent of forgetting this, me especially. Jesus is being serious about loving others to the point that he says in verse 5, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, 
I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Essentially saying, without love, nothing else matters. Without love, there's no evidence of you being part of the church, God's people. The distinguishing mark of Christianity, your lamp, without love, is turned off and not needed. Someone in your life needs your love right now. There's a story that my dad told us growing up. And it was the daughter of a bus driver, Greyhound bus driver. And he and his family didn't have much. He was a Greyhound bus driver. But he knew about a widow on the highway, the regular route that he took. And there was a a widow who had some children. And it was clear from the... uh, how her house was built, how big her house was. It was clear that she didn't have much. And so he knew, their family knew, that she was going to be struggling come Christmas time. And it's not like they had a lot. They had their own endurance to go through. They had their own patience, their own bearing up, their own toil. But they decided as a family, let's get that family some gifts. And so he had to drive on Christmas Day as part of his job, and so his family bought the gifts, put them in a bag, and he pulled off as he got to her house, got out and walked up, walked on the front porch, and because of how thin the walls were on her home, he could hear her inside, and she was praying and crying, and she said, Lord, It's Christmas morning. The kids are about to get up, and I don't have anything. What am I going to do? And he knocked on the door. So you don't know who's counting on you to be shown the love of Christ. People who are enduring the same, perhaps worse, stuff that you are. Somebody or somebody's is. So don't let anything stop you. It's no wonder then that the closing line of this letter connects this type of love to an eschatological conquering. Love is a form of eschatological conquering. You want to be eschatological? Then love someone with the love of Christ. And do it today. Who, you say? Probably the person that's on your mind right now. Conquer weariness. Conquer your own struggles. Conquer your to-do list. Conquer bitterness. Conquer discomfort. Conquer the rulers, principalities, and cosmic powers over darkness of which Lewis says in the Screwtape Letters, it's funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit reminds the church. Amen.